Hello, my name is Wang Yan, and I am a reporter with News China. With our weekly News China podcast, we aim to give insight into the trends and happenings in modern China through a historical lens. Today, we discuss chivalry in ancient China. On November 14, 2020, Stephen Allison, the newly appointed British Consul General in Chongqing, was visiting a nearby tourist attraction when he saw a young woman drowning in the river. Without hesitation, he dived in and saved her life. The video clip of his brave action went viral and he received copious praise. He was presented with the Chongqing Special Award for Justice and Courage and 50,000 yuan by the Chongqing Foundation for Justice and Courage. He donated the money to a local charity. Justice and courage are probably the core of Chinese values with a long history, referred to as xia or chivalry. A chivalrous hero is expected to be willing and strong enough to help people where official justice or relief is not accessible. Xia, especially Wu Xia, which means Xia with martial arts like Kung Fu, is a very popular part of Chinese culture. It would be too late to wait for the police to come to the rescue of the drowning woman. The 61-year-old gentleman did not hesitate to save her life. He was a champagne for his age group at Beijing International Triathlon in 2019, which involved swimming, running, and cycling. His willingness and a sort of kung fu of saving a stranger in danger, no doubt, fits the image of chivalrous person among the Chinese public. Kung fu in modern Chinese is also used as a metaphor referring to a skill. Records of chivalrous person in China can be found in books written more than 2,300 years ago. But in the early years, there were people that defined the imperial authorities or mainstream values in society. They were marginalized or even cracked down on. They did not have magic kung fu. Their image and the attitude toward them changed later. Given this, over thousands of years, Chivalry as a spirit or a value is present in different groups in different ways during different times in China's history. Chivalrous people were real or fictional in the process. It is a story about how people projected their expectations for life and justice on something they could not get in the real world. Recently, a TV series, Qin Dynasty Epic, explored how the Qin Kingdom conquered all its rivals to establish China's first imperial dynasty in the 3rd century BCE attracted a lot of attention and controversy on social media. Historians believe the key to the Qin's rise was that the Qin adopted the idea of rule by law. Han Fei was one of the most influential philosophers and the leader of this school of thought at that time. He insisted that only rulers had the right to use force. For him, both Confucianism and use of force without official approval constituted a challenge to sovereign power, and thus it must be prohibited. 
This point is crucial. It tells us that any non-official force, including the culture of chivalry, had to be kept in invisible or at least low profile to some extent to last thousands of years in China. Sima Qian, a historian in the 2nd century BCE during the Western Han Dynasty and the father of Chinese historiography, dedicated a chapter of his greatest work, The Historical Records, to Youxia, who are chivalrous people who roam around. Although their behavior was not in line with the law, they always honored their words. They saved others from danger, even at the cost of their own lives. They never showed off their talents or their good deeds, even if they saved others from life or death situations. This is worth rewarding. Sima Qian noted in his historical records, it shows that his attitude was different from Han Fei's. He greatly appreciated the behaviors of Yu Xia, although he did not think their actions were lawful or in compliance with mainstream Confucian values. This was because Sima Qian himself was once trapped in a tragic condition. Li Ling, a Han general, surrendered to the Huns after he lost the battle. Sima was one of the very few officials who pleaded for Li Ling. He said that Li Ling was always honest and nice to his family, his friends, and his soldiers. Li Ling was defeated because he was facing a force that greatly outnumbered his soldiers. He fought bravery for several days till he was captured by his enemies. Sima's words enraged the emperor, so he had to choose to be castrated or save himself from being executed. He did so to complete his mission of writing his great historical book. But castration is a great humiliation for anyone, particularly for ancient Chinese scholars like Sima Qian, who held Confucian values regarding honor more highly than life. Sima Qian realized from his own sad experience that anyone could suffer for any reason in life. Where justice cannot be done according to normal rules, chivalry may help. He believed Shibri was one of the ways to deliver benevolence and justice. Shibri became a spirit or a value that should be praised rather than any illegal action. Guojie is one of the chivalrous people mentioned in Sima's chapter about Youxia. Guo was a bad guy in his youth. If someone frustrated him, he pretended that he did not care and took ruthless revenge later. He killed people who offended his friends, but he changed in middle age. His nephew, the son of his elder sister, was killed in a conflict while drinking. His sister asked him to take revenge, otherwise she would not bury her son. But Guo found that it was his nephew himself who was responsible for his tragedy. He did not take revenge and persuaded his sister to hold a funeral for her son. Two people living in what today is the central Luoyang city, Henan province, were enemies. Local influential people tried to mediate between them, but did not succeed. Guo went into town quietly in the evening. He arranged a dinner and convinced them to reconcile with each other. He asked the two not to tell anyone about his efforts. He said 
it was better to let the former mediators believe it was their success. He left quietly after this. However, Youxiang as a group was still regarded as illegal and challenged by imperial authorities at that time. Guo's growing influence aroused the concerns of the imperial government and even triggered a political struggle between different forces. Even the emperor paid attention to him. In the end, Guo and his family were executed. After the Han Dynasty, no Youxiang appeared in official historical records. When the Han began to decline in the late 2nd century, warlords fought each other for control of the country. China was controlled by the three major kingdoms, the Wei, Wu, and Shu. The Western Jin, the successor of the Wei, was victorious, but it did not last long, and the country fell apart again. In this turbulent period, intellectuals were known for throwing off mainstream social norms and unleashing human nature. They indulged in drinking, talking about obscure things, and traveling around mountains and rivers. Though they did not save people by delivering justice, it seems that they practiced chivalry in the form of their freedom from mainstream rules. Their crazy lifestyle continued to be popular among the Xia group later. We can say chivalry was at least partly embedded in those scholars in an invisible way. Chivalry's visible presence in the Han's official historical records and invisible presence in the scholars during the subsequent volatile years paved the way for chivalry to be somewhat accepted by mainstream values. A new, much more romantic image of chivalry was created in the literature of the Tang Dynasty, which restored peace and prosperity to society in the 7th century. Professor Chen Pingyuan of Peking University found two kinds of Youxia groups in Tang poems. One is a group of young warriors in four poems written by Wang Wei, unlike his most famous poems written in later life about the quiet, easy pastoral life and landscapes. These poems written in his early age described how crazy those young warriors were in life and their bravery on the battlefield, and how they won awards from the emperor. Like those scholars in the Western Jin, drinking as an important part of their life, the other kind of Yuxia is in a poem by Li Bai, one of the greatest poets in China's history. He described a Yuxia who was also crazy in life and brave in battle, but who refused to accept the emperor's awards. Unlike real Yuxia in Sima Qian's records, these Yuxia were fictional. But the most different point is that the Tang Youxia in those poems did not save people from danger, but defended their homeland. In this way, they returned to the path of fulfilling mainstream values. They did not represent a marginalized or even illegal practice which were excluded from or cracked down on by mainstream social order. The fictional world gave Tang literati more freedom to create a Xia group who were much more lively and admirable than those in Sima Qian's records. As those poems were written by famous literati of the Tang and reflected mainstream values of that time, 
It means the Xia group or the Xia culture was said to find its way into a much larger stage in the society. However, the Xia group, either in Sima's book or in Tang poems, impresses people today mainly with their bold, free spirit or behavior. They did not possess magical martial arts skills. They were repressed by imperial forces or were dreamed by romantic literature. They were not widely accepted by the public or mainstream values. So, how did the Xia group get magic kung fu to become a wuxia? Xia with kung fu? How did the wuxia culture find its way into life and dreams of the public? Our next podcast will tell this story. That is the end of our podcast. Thank you to our writer Dr. Zhang Yue, editor and translator Li Jia, and copy editor Kathleen Nade. We hope you enjoyed it, and thank you for listening. See you next week.